Today's reading comes from Acts 1, 15 through 26. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120 and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, Akaldama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph, called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. This is God's word. Ma'am, you can go ahead and be seated. A couple of uh, housekeeping tips. We want to let you know that if you need a Bible, simply raise your hand. We're going to be going through a few different texts today. And so want to give you uh, the text themselves. So please raise your hand. These brothers will pass those out. And also, we want to let you know that um, if, if you have a question, you are totally encouraged to ask. We ask that you be discerning in the questions that you ask. And think through whether this really helps to edify the whole body Or just a question for me. If it's a question for you, that's still a good question. Let's just talk about it after service. You can come up and talk with me and we can dialogue. But if it's a question that you think will help care for the entire body, then we ask that you go ahead and and ask it. And uh, if I can, I'll answer it right now. Uh, And if I cannot, I'll make sure I get back to you uh, with, with an answer. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, uh, it is a joy to come before you, to be in your house of worship. Would you bring alive your scriptures so that we may live uh, according to your word and live according to your ways. Allow us to grow in you during this time. Would you um, remove Leon and allow uh, your spirit to just illuminate uh, these texts. In your holy name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, Some of you may have had groups of friends where uh, this type of occurrence happens. You walk in with a friend, it's maybe a group of four or five of you guys, and you're hanging out, and then you begin talking about a topic like cars. And then one of the friends blurts out something silly like, oh, my, my dad has two of those. Wait a minute, man. Your dad has two Mustangs, convertibles on hydraulics. Yeah, he got two of them. And 
you, 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 you kind of pause. Really, man? And then he says that word, that P word that makes no matter what I'm saying true, right? Yeah, man, I got two Mustangs. I promise. And it's like, how do you, how do you, how do you go against the, the, the promise, right, as a kid? Because he said he promises and guess he's got two Mustangs or, or, you know, you, you, you get a little older or right now I've been seeing the, the young kids and in our family, we have a lot of decorators, you know, kids that are um, pretty good at drawing and things of that nature. And right now, like really popular is the rubber band loom, the rubber band bracelets. Y'all hit to this. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. It's okay. Um, and so, you know, you get somebody that's like, yeah, I, I built one that was as tall as a giraffe. Like, what? I did. I promise I did. You know, it's like, oh, okay. And, and, and so there seems to be like, even as children, this idea that, that when, when you make a promise, it, it makes what you're saying true somehow. Kids, you're here. That's not true. Okay. That, that, that don't, don't go about doing that. Don't say pastor told you to do that. But, but as, as people grow older, some, some things shift, Right. That idea still can mess with us. It still can stay with us. But, but it might move from a promise that someone makes to a prediction. That's a fancy way of saying, uh, I'm going to make an estimate. I'm going to take a guess at this thing. But I'll, 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 I'll stand behind this guess, and I promise you that my, my prediction is going to be right. So we've had people predict the end of the world. We're still here. Let me, let me read to you guys a, a, a few of, uh, of some of the world's worst predictions. There's actually a book somebody wrote called The World's Worst Predictions. King George II said in 1773 that the American colonies had little stomach for revolution. Pretty bad, pretty bad prediction. An official of the White Star Line, speaking of the firm's newly built flagship, the Titanic, launched in 1912, declared that this ship was unsinkable. The Titanic. Okay. In 1939, the New York Times said the problem of TV was that people had to glue their eyes to a screen and that the average American wouldn't ever have time for it. Some of y'all got nine TVs in your house. I know. (laughs) An English astronomy professor said in the early 19th century that air travel at high speed would be impossible because people would suffocate. Family, we've, we've had some crazy predictions go on. We've, even as children, seen this term of promise used in an unhealthy way and then we open our Bibles, and with all this mess, with all this noise, with all this abuse of words, we begin to read the text. We begin to read the text. And in 2014, we're supposed to just have a clear lens. I, I want to share today that I don't think our lens is clear. And I'm going to share how I think it's unhealthy, but share the health of the Lord and how he communicates the beauty of promise through prophecy. You see, prediction is just an estimate. And if you've had to get some work done on your car, you know estimates don't always end up the way that they're supposed to. 
But prophecy is God saying, I have a promise for you. And I'm going to ensure that this promise comes to pass. Will you guys turn with me to the first chapter of the book of Acts? The first chapter of the book of Acts. And we're going to start in verse 12. But let me do a little, a a quick recap because you got to have a little understanding of what gets us to verse 12 as we dive in. Luke is writing a a historical historical account to Theophilus and he's trying to help Theophilus understand Jesus is everything. And, And while I might go through the book of Galatians, I might go through Revelations, we might study the book of Acts, we might study the book of Genesis, but at the end of the day, every time Pastor Eric and I get up here, we're trying to get you guys to get the same point Theophilus needs to get, which is Jesus is Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. I know it's cold in here. I know it's cold. Let's, we're going to try that again. That Jesus is, that Jesus is a man, a man. And so he's writing this book to this man and he's saying, I, I, I want you to have some historical experiences, not void of faith, but I want to just give you the story so that you, Theophilus, can be, can be uh, passionate, so that you can live out mission, so that you can recognize that this, this here Jesus has died for you. That Jesus is everything. But the story we pick up is a, is, it's a little bit out of place, okay? The this, this story we're going to pick up in verses 12 through 26 feels a little out of place because Jesus has just shown himself to the disciples. He's allowed them to see him after he was resurrected. And he then says in verse 4, you guys with me there, he says, wait for the Father's promise that they will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So, so it, it gets a little weird because Jesus says, hey, wait for the Holy Spirit. And then it seems like we jump into our verses today that talks about some administrative tasks. I mean, I'm supposed to be waiting for the Holy Spirit. And now you're talking to me about Judas, this dude, and finding somebody to replace, his, replace him. I thought I was supposed to be waiting on the Holy Spirit. How does Judas work into this? Well, family, first, go to verse 12 with me. Because I, w- I want to describe to you guys, I want to describe to you guys the, the, I want you guys to understand the background that's happening. So first, I'm going to try to see if I can get, get our kids involved a little bit in a second. Starting at verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon, the zealot and Judas, the son of James. All these were with one. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and the mother of Jesus, his and his brothers. So family, first, uh, giving you a context of who these disciples are. The upper room is, is, is in this day like a, it's like the, um, almost like the rooftop. It's, it's a room that's on your third floor that you would rent out to people who were studying the Bible, or maybe you would rent it out to poor people. 
it already gives you a little bit of context that this isn't a group of royalty, okay? These are some homies that are in a room that's oftentimes used that, that poor people will rent. And so it's giving you the, the, a little backdrop of who these guys were, but, but where are my kids? Can every kid that's in here uh, raise your hand? All right, kids, I'm going to say some names. I want you guys to count the names that I say, okay? All right, you guys ready? Okay, here we go. We're going to count the disciples. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Simon, Judas. Are we missing one? Yeah, we are. We are. And right now, like you guys, um, I'm just going to step away for a second and pop myself into Judas, uh, the Judas, um, the son of James. Like I would be so mad at Judas Iscariot because you messed up my name for everybody, man. You know, like whenever he introduces himself, he's got to be like, hey, you know, I'm Judas, son of James, man, son of James. Let me tell you who my daddy is. It's James, you know, because we think how many Judases do you know today? It's a name we stay away from. But kids, there was one missing. There's one person missing, and that was Judas Iscariot. So when we enter into this story, Judas has already sold out Jesus. Literally. He accepted money, and in doing so, he said, I'll take this money, and I'll point out the Christ. I'll point out Jesus at the appropriate time so you guys as officials can take him and take him to his death. And so Judas is now this, this guy that, that the whole team realizes, ah, he wasn't on our team. But I want you guys to know, while Judas is missing, I want you to notice the posture of the disciples. Because for me, if you tell me I'm going to get something great, it's going to be tough for me to take care of some of the smaller things, right? Right? You say the Holy Spirit's coming. I'm like, cool, the Holy Spirit's coming. Let's kick it. You want me to go and fill the void of some dude that we now hate? You, you want me to go and, and now take care of something that seems like an administrative task? So first one of the things they do is devote themselves to prayer. And family, as we, as Mike shared today, that we have that 940 time, we want to invite you guys into that. But, but first, let me make sure we all understand what prayer is. That it's a pouring out of our hearts to God in praise, in petition, in confession, and in thanksgiving. Have you ever been in a relationship where you only got like one side of a person? You know, this doesn't happen. But if Frank only called me when things went bad, it'd be a real tough relationship. You know, if Garrett only called me and was happy all the time and I'm like, hey, man, I'm having a bad day. And Garrett's like, sorry, buddy, turn that frown upside down. You know, like. I'm just saying this, this, this would be, this would be an un, it would, 
But fam, we can be tempted to, to slide into that lull with God, right? That lull in our prayer life. That when I'm in need, I go to God. But when things are all right, I'm all right. Or I'm quick to confess. Quick to confess. But slow to be thankful when miracles do happen. Slow to be thankful when provision does come. Hesitant to praise the Lord when things do happen in my life. I'm not saying be well balanced. Because I don't think I don't think prayer life should be 25% adoration, 25% confession, 25. I'm saying respond based on how God is moving in your life. And even the worst of us have reasons to praise our Savior. Amen? Even the, those of us in some really tough situations have reasons to praise God. So family, if the Holy Spirit's coming, and he's coming to make us all, specifically here, as he's coming to make the, the apostles uh, and the disciples effective witnesses, he's coming to do that, and he says, the people realize we need to be praying. We need to be praying. And family, may I say, I don't think that we can be effective witnesses without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But do we pray for that? Do we, do we ask the Lord to help us? Or do we think that our testimony is, is good enough? I've said my testimony 20 times. But do we realize, uh, yeah, you have, but all 20 times you need to pray before you do so because the Holy Spirit is the one that allows our testimony to have any impact. And so this community was a community of prayer. And Pastor Russ shared with us, even as he opened up the book of Acts, hey, don't use the book of Acts like a, a doctrinal book. What he meant by that was, you don't, you don't look at everything happening at Acts and you go and do it right away, okay? You, you, you look at things and you understand, Lord, like, what are themes here that, that I see could be healthy for me? Because I'm, I'm called to be a believer. Maybe I'm not an apostle like these disciples, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm called to believe. I, I had good friends, uh, my boy Jay Parker. Every time I came over his house, his family would eat dinner together. My family never ate dinner together. And even though him and his family had their issues, there was a, a oneness that I had always desired in my family that I saw his family have. Now, I'd be a fool if I said every family that eats together is going to be healthy, right? I'm done. No. But I also knew from experiencing his family that I wanted that present in my family. Family, as we are going to look at the lives of the people of God throughout the book of Acts, there's going to be some things that you might want to model after, okay? Now, as a Christian, will you, if you don't pray, does that mean you don't, you're not a Christian anymore? No. You, you don't stop being a believer just because you don't pray. But would I say prayer is a, is, is a very key component of being a believer? Yes. So as they were about it, I encourage you to be about it too. I encourage us to be about it too. And uh, our, our, our visionary pastor for some time now has been asking the Lord like, what it looks like for the life of our body to be praying more. Not to have one more task. 
you know, not to make another prayer night, but to say this, this body loves the Lord. How can we be encouraging you guys to spend time going before the father? And so know that we're asking the Lord uh, how we can do that and how we can lead you guys in that. But notice something else that's present. Notice the inclusion of women. And Acts is going to be, yeah, some one of us is to say, yeah, I like that. And, and, and scholars here was doing some research and they're saying, hey, like, yeah, this, this might have been Mary. But also is the wives of apostles. Like there's, there's a mixture of women that are present here that, that are, excuse me, that are also experiencing um, this blessing. Also are trusting the Lord for the, for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so now we see the makeup of God's body continuing to begin to shift. First from just Jews, now to Gentiles, now to women. And I'm, I, I think we could not continue to celebrate the role of women in the Bible enough because unfortunately it has been diminished for far too long. So I ask you, in a point of waiting, how do you respond? When, when you are seeking the Lord on something and you say, Lord, I've, I want a new job. What should I do? Do you wait patiently and just keep it still? You know, I asked once. That's it. I know God got it. I have three children, one on the way. When I say to my kids, uh, they'll, they'll make a request. My kids will say, hey, Dad, can we have um, some gummy bears? Say, hold on. Hey, Dad, can we have some gummy bears? Hold on. Dad, I said, can we have some gummy bears? Like, my kids don't stop until the request is fulfilled, especially when it's dealing with sugar. family there's a sense of actively that there's a response we can have in the process of waiting and it is to pray it is to consistently consistently to to be going after the lord to say lord i'm not here trying to change your mind i'm not here trying to control you i'm here trying to say i don't know what's next but i know you do and so i'm gonna keep coming to you until i hear a word from you haven't heard yet i'm back again i love you would you answer me oh i thought i heard an answer but i didn't can you make it clearer next time lord i love you can you give me some some guidance here can you make yourself clear to me let that be our posture family that we're a praying people devoted to these things so so now family we move to verses starting at 15 and we get good old pete good old peter who's who's going to be the champion who's going to be a guy that that um speaks to the apostles and speaks to these disciples in a way where he's he's stepping up and leading and saying guys I want you to get some things clearly from what God's doing. In verse 15, it says, In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers, and the company of persons was in all about 120. 
and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, Akodama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, may his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So family, what's happening here? You got, you got Peter saying, first let me highlight the scriptures. In verse 16, you have the scripture had to be fulfilled, which by the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. So you have Peter here saying, hold on guys. We are trusting for the Holy Spirit to empower us to be witnesses. But, but, but let me give you guys an example of the Holy Spirit already doing a marvelous work. Because you guys are missing it. One of the marvelous works that he does is he fulfills prophecy. Okay? What's the prophecy? The prophecy takes place in Psalm 69, 25. And he says, may their camp be a desolation. Let no one dwell in their tents. In verse 20, in Acts, that's where Peter is drawing from. That phrase stated in Psalms. What he's saying is, hey, Judas, because of his betrayal, has now gone through this process of buying land, acquiring it, dying on it. And, and desolation has come to that place. But disciples, you're missing it. You see today, but you don't get today is the fulfillment of what was prophesied hundreds of years ago. Hundreds of years ago. So in this, and when the psalmist wrote this, now it comes to pass. And you don't get that the Holy Spirit is the one who's done that. That's why he's saying scripture had to be fulfilled. That the, that the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David. So we get a couple of things. First, we get the, uh, uh, an, uh, a reconfirmed, a restated affirmation that the Bible is inspired by God. That the Holy Spirit is an inspiring David to write these things. But then in the book of Acts, we see it fulfilled. And Peter's basically saying, hey, guys, that power that's about to come on us is the same power that's, that's bringing forth uh, and allowing prophecy to be fulfilled. So in one case, it just happened. Satan got, Satan got what was due him, but we knew that was coming. Okay? We, we, we knew that that was coming, but... I, 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 I think we sometimes have a misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you guys, when I was, um, I was, it was my first year in seminary and I was beginning to study and I had a professor and I said, you know, with some, with some kind of a 
anger, a little bit of, you know, swag, thinking I knew what I was talking about. I said, well, look, if Christ, the Father, and the Holy Spirit are one, then why don't they get fair airplay? Why does the Holy Spirit only get a few chapters? And it doesn't seem like he gets as much information as Jesus. The three are, he, the three are one. Shouldn't they get fair airplay? And my, my professor, in a kind way, said, shut up. I never forget how he checked me, but it, it was kind of like, that's stupid. And this is why. Verses, uh, in the book of John, chapter 16, verses 13 through 16 say this. And I don't know if I gave it to my brother. But, but hear this. No, actually, this is important. Would you, now you're in the book of Acts. The book before it is the book of John. Oh, he got it. I'm, never mind. Um, In John chapter 16, verses 13 through 16, it says this. It says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. Let me pause there. Basically saying, the Holy Spirit will help us be able to understand who Jesus is. He's going to disclose to us the beauty of who Christ is. He's the one that allows a Bible to make sense. You're not smart enough. I'm not smart enough. We can't read well enough to get what God is saying. It is the Holy Spirit that illuminates the text and allows us to understand anything that's going on. He will glorify me. The Holy Spirit will glorify Christ, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. J.I. Packer says it kind of like this. J.I. Packer says uh, he was rolling up on the church and he saw the floodlights And the floodlights are lights that you put in the ground or maybe behind a bush or something to illuminate the church building. He said, wow, the the Holy Spirit is like a floodlight. If a floodlight works correctly, you never even see it. You don't even know it's there because its whole aim is to make the structure or the building look magnificent. But in a moment, if the floodlight is taken away from you, darkness family, the the Holy Spirit is is the one that allows these these prophecies to be fulfilled, is the one that's executing these prophecies and the one who will execute the next miracle. And the next miracle, he continues to quote is, let another take his office. And he's quoting that from Psalm 109.8. The next next prophecy in Psalm 109.8 says, may his days uh, be few. May another take his office. And so now you might be saying, man, like, why, why all this? Why such a big deal? Why couldn't we just go from 12 disciples down to 11? It, it doesn't really seem to make that, make that much of, a, of, a, of, a, of an issue. Well, I'm going to answer that for you guys in a minute. But what I want you to see next Oh, no. Actually, I'll answer that for you now. In Psalm 49, 28, we get, And these twelve tribes of Israel, 
this is what their father said to them as he blessed them. Blessing each with the blessing suitable to him. In Revelations 21, 14, we have, And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And lastly, in Ephesians 2, 20, you have, Built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. What am I trying to show you in these three verses? I'm trying to show you, family, that there's a continuity throughout the Bible. I'm trying to show you that, that the, the disciples moved from 11 and had to make a replacement because there's, a, there's a, 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 an impact that they're going to have in the book of Revelations. But also God is trying to show us that, that this isn't a new thing. That God has had his people set apart for his purposes since he, since, since he created us. And so the church picks up and grabs on to a great lineage that's already been established. And that lineage is happening with 12, not simply 11. And so, and so Peter's trying to help them see something great happened, not great, something happened already in the fulfillment of prophecy in that, in that Satan's place was a place of desolation. Excuse me, that Judas's place is a place of desolation. But now I'm going to show you guys a, a new working of the Spirit because we now have to fill this next office. And so in verse 21, he says, So one of the men who have accompanied us during all time, uh, us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, from beginning from the baptism, let me just start over. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two. Joseph called Barsabbas, who is also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go uh, to his own place and they cast lots for them and the lot fell on Matthias and he was numbered with 11 uh, numbered with the 11 uh, apostles so family we have uh, now what is the criteria for one who's going to be selected to be placed in, in this role of the 12th disciple of the, of the 12th apostle and it's that the person had to be a witness, uh, starting from, from when John, uh, from beginning of John's baptism up until Christ's resurrection. And so what we have here is, a, is a, an, an, um, the body or the disciples at that time saying, okay, Holy Spirit has already allowed prophecy to happen. Now we're going to trust you, Holy Spirit, that you're going to allow the right person to be chosen. You see, in verse 24, he says, Lord, you know the hearts of all. Show us which one of these two you have already chosen. See, the idea isn't one of us or of them helping to 
choose or helping to celebrate who they think is best. They've already deferred to God. God, you've already made this choice. Now, simply use this this form to show us what choice you've made. And so they so they cast lots. And casting lots is a is a uh, a ritual that goes back to Genesis to Deuteronomy. We we see um, a number of times this this term of casting lots and and what is casting lots. Bear with me for one second. So casting lots would be something like this. You would take a jar. And every person that had, uh, that was in the process of the decision, uh, their name would be placed into the jar, right? So you get, you know, let's say Mike, Tina, Patty, you know, you put each person's name in. AJ was raising his hand in the back. <laughs> and what, what you would do is you would trust that the person's name that falls out of here first is the one that God desires to bless. And so today, as we think of that, it sounds foolish. You mean to tell me you would just let uh, happenstance, you know, gravity pull out the right ring and you would base your ministry on the chance that a ring would fall out? But see, in the idea of of the people of God, there, there was no chance. Like there, that you you really think that chance can pull a name out and trump God's desire to pull a name out? You, you really you really think that chance has that much of a stronghold over a sovereign sovereign Lord? So as they're approaching this, they're saying, "Lord, you already know who's next." Both Justice and Matthias are men that meet the criteria. But but would you allow one of the the, the guy whose name comes out of this to be the one that we select? And we know from the scriptures that Matthias, Matthias' name came out. But family, I think it, I think it, I, I think we've, we've seen a few things happen in our culture that remind us of this, but also uh, really take us away from it. Okay. One of the ways we've seen this playing out in our culture is that of the, and specifically in the hood, is that of um, like the celestial signs that of um, zodiac signs. Now, when I go to grab, you know, a pop from the gas station or something like that, there's an entire stand full of, you know, things that describe who you are based on when you were born. Family, that's that's not what this is. It's not it, those things are tools used to lie to us and tell us that we have certain personalities based on. The stars and based on our birth dates. And I think you can pretty much say, you know, a lot of people in whatever Sagittarius or Scorpio that are polar opposites. So so just on a on a basis of proof, on a basis of a of a quick survey of people, it doesn't work. But when you look at scripture, like God actually speaks against that. He speaks against us trying to use stars to describe who we are because he's described who we are. He's outlined who you are. He says, I have a a plan for you. 
So what are you going to listen to? You're going to listen to the plan that I have or the plan that says because you're a Scorpio, you're short, you have a short temper. Because you're a Scorpio, you're impatient. What? I'm going to choose Christ. I'm going to choose how God defines me. I'm going to choose how the Lord shares the beauty of who I am and how I'm redeemed in his image. And how zodiac signs don't, don't, don't define who I am. It's interesting, though, when we look, when we look here, we look in the, in the book of uh, Acts, these verses are the last time that we see this concept of casting lots. While it was used over and over in the life of the people of God, right here it ends. Why? Actually, I'm going to ask you guys. Why do you think casting lots stops? Sam? Amen. He says that the, in the next chapter, the Holy Spirit comes and he lives inside of us. And prior to that, it, the, the Holy Spirit wasn't moving in that manner to control and give us guidance in our daily actions. And so we would cast lots to make big decisions. But guess what? Now I have the Holy Spirit. Now you have the Holy Spirit. So we don't need to shake a jar anymore. We don't need to look into uh, a celestial magazine. We don't need any of that anymore because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. God himself is present in you. Hallelujah. And so this instance is an instance where, where Peter's trying to say, hey, I want you guys to see what God did, how he fulfilled a promise. A promise that, that desolation would come to the one that would, that, would, that would sell out Jesus. But he also fulfills a promise in replacing and showing that, that a 12th person would be selected to fill his space. And guys, as I'm, as, if I'm Peter, he's sitting with them saying, and it just happened right now as the Holy Spirit, boom, showed us who to pick. And then we see them saying from now on we're going to trust in this Holy Spirit we, we don't need to use mediums in order or we don't need to use um, things even like casting lots to find out God's will for he's allowed his spirit to dwell in us and give us guidance in that way family we, I, we, we pray that, that this local body that you as a person would be encouraged by, I mean, these are, this is a glimpse into people who started the church, right? Were they, were they perfect? No, not at all. You know, and, and I can only imagine being, being Peter who at one time forsake, forsake Jesus and, and you gotta say, man, thank you, Lord. I, 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 let me be humble. I, I could have ended up like Judas and you spared me. You gave me strength. You, you equipped me. But family, let us look at them and see if, if prayer life was essential to them. Do we see it as essential to us? Not optional. Essential to our walk. 
that it, it, it's, it's a key component to our walk? Do we see the word being inspired by God? So just as he, just as he gave David the words to write, the Holy Spirit gives you the understanding to be able to process it. And family, do we, do we still depend and trust on the Holy Spirit today to lead us as we still have many great decisions to make for his kingdom? I leave you today with the scripture uh, that's found in verse 16. And it's also our, our, the memory verse. And our, the prayer is that it'll be something that reminds you of God's word being inspired and the Holy Spirit doing that work to inspire it. It is, uh, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David. Will you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, we desire to be, um, to look at your promises and know, God, that you execute every promise that you make. That you, Lord, allow prophecy to be fulfilled. Hey guys, you can open up your eyes. Wait a second. Can you go back to that slide with the promises, bro? Because I, I you, you can get, hey, there's promises. I get the fulfillment of scripture. I get the fulfillment of prophecy. But Leon, I sometimes struggle with, so what, is, what do promises look like for me today? Okay? I, I want to take a moment just to, to make sure that some key promises, and now there's hundreds of promises made, even in just the New Testament, but I want to make sure that you guys are, are seeing a few of these and realizing that just as the Holy Spirit brought them to pass for the apostles, that the Holy Spirit is bringing these to pass for us. A promise of salvation found in Romans 10.9. A promise of security in Christ that he will care for our every need. A promise of favor, of blessing upon his people. I know it's one that's tough to wrestle with at times because you look around and you may not feel favored because you are lacking financially or you're lacking in this area or that area but will you believe his promise a promise of rest that he seeks to provide you me us rest and a promise of hope that he will restore all things but also that you can experience the hope of the Lord today that it's not just something down the road that happens when he returns only, but that hope in Christ is life-changing today. There's more scriptures on the bottom, but I just wanted, I wanted to make sure as I, as I leave you and as, as we see the work of the Holy Spirit doing its thing in the apostles and we simply learn about what's happened in the Bible, I think sometimes we need to just learn. Everything's not going to be directly applicable to you, so you go out and do it right away. That's okay. We need to just learn. But also, we need to draw from, 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 from the fullness of the word and draw from the promises of God 
and here they are clear. And I pray that we would all be encouraged that the Holy Spirit is the one uh, allowing us to experience these promises. Now we're going to pray. And Lord, may we experience the hope, the rest. You tell us that we get to experience joy in you. There are people hurting right now who are... um, Think of my friend who, um, whose family is grieving and missing him right now, and they're hurting, Lord. But yet you say you are a comforter. You promise to be our comforter. So, Lord, would we, would we hold you to your word? Would we depend on that? Would we cling tightly to promises you have made, even when sometimes it feels like they're so far away? We love you, Holy Spirit. In your holy name, we love you, God. We love you, Jesus. We love you. In your name, we pray. Amen.